0: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am alright, thanks Musa. How are you? I am very well, indeed. My God, the weather in Berlin. Oh my goodness. I left it behind this morning. How could you? It was how could you abandon this morning. It, it was. It is spectacular right now.
1: And I arrived in an undisclosed location and the weather is just as lovely here. Um... Good to hear that you're okay, because you were sounding, literally 30 seconds ago before we pr- pressed record, you were sounding a lot more uh, a lot more grumpy, but there's your little uh, look behind wow, the curtain, wow. everyone. Listen, it's not wow. for the podcast. Ha- hashtag, not for the podcast. Interesting. It's not for the podcast.
0: It's not for the Very podcast. Very interesting. Wow. Listen, we, were ah, 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 we were just having a chat. We were just having ah, a ah, chat. Ah, ah, ah. That was the tears of a clown, Ryan. Tears of a clown. Wow. Tears of a poet. They're even worse. <laughs> 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 Worthless. I'll tell you that much. No, anyway, stop it. Anyway, listen, here. listen, listen, enough, enough. <laughs>
1: I don't like the way that you mean to yourself sometimes okay
0: anyway Sorry. moving on moving on hope uh,
1: everyone else uh, is uh, staying safe and well uh, some admin very quickly just just very very quickly because we're, we're, we're a couple of shows past it now but we missed our th- 350th show not on the ring just all time 350 cool. wow
0: pretty cool pretty cool yeah yeah not bad for a podcast actually quite proud uh, of that
1: 350 wonder if anyone else is listening. So it's just us two every week, twice <laughs> a week. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was cool, huh? But well, this yeah, is really
0: 353. Cool. Thank you to um, everyone who is listening, um, regardless of the point at which you joined us. And thank you to everyone who's listened along since the beginning too. Um, yeah. And thanks to everyone thank you who to bounced everyone. because
1: yeah. we were too woke. Long ago. <laughs> thanks very much, everyone. <laughs>
0: yeah get out of here I love I do I do actually love the idea of people abandoning my work because it's too woke (laughs) dude just (laughs) inject it the The most vanilla the most vanilla takes
1: (laughs) can we just pick up Florence Lloyd Hughes yes she's got a book out today go and buy Flo's book uh congrats Flo very proud of you Mm. um bet. I bet I hurry from write a book. I think I'm the only one who hasn't written a book in the writer's house crew.
0: Do you know what's coming up that way, to be honest?
1: Final bit of admin. We've got something to plug. Mm. And it's for Everton fans or non-Everton fans who want to wear a funny t-shirt. Yes. Do you remember when we were talking about doing some diced up tees? Yes, yes. We've only gone and done them. <laughs> a Stanley Stella organic t-shirt in white from size small to 5XL with a blue Aveticonoi bold italic all caps I'm Diched Up written on it and a little, a little blue stadio on the back.
0: I'm diced Up I'm not, we're not going down. We're not
1: going down yes because to celebrate Ever- Everton's survival 100% of the profits are getting donated to Everton in the community so go and support it we'll drop the link in the show notes Yes. And um if anyone has any Everton friends, any Ever- or is in any Everton groups or forums or anything like that, please please help us share the link. We want to raise as much money. They're only on pre-order for 2 weeks and then they will get printed and shipped out to you in the fortnight after that hopefully. So help us spread the word. Absolutely. Sorry, one more bit of admin. Right is house, we're going to do it's going to go up on Sunday. You, me and Ian are going to talk about the FA Cup final. Yes. And then you and I are going to do Stadio. We won't talk about the FA Cup final on Stadio. We'll do some Women's Champions League final stuff and a little bit of a roundup from the weekend. Yes. And then for the big, big deep dive on the, on the Women's Champions League final, make sure you go check out pressed All right, we're going to talk Europa League final. I'm going to do it after this. Oh, Musa!
0: Oh my goodness. Yes, it's the sound of inevitability.
1: Sevilla beating Roma on penalties after extra time. The game uh, was 1-0, finished 1-0. Yes.
0: To win their seventh UEFA Cup slash Europa League. Seven out of seven. They own this trophy. We have not seen a Spaniard dominate a forum this much since Nadal at Roland Garros. We have not seen it. <laughs> this is their French Open. It's absolutely their thing, isn't it? That's, it's their bag. Um was it at
1: the side that has never lost a european final against the manager who has never lost the european final
0: find you listen all your single hearts out there find you someone that loves you as much as Sevilla love being a european league final please <laughs> just <laughs> they have found their one and only it's really remarkable actually this run they've been on
1: it's incredible um, it's incredible
0: different personnel different managers we'll dissect it but just to say as a headline i mean they've been long, they've been it's a longer running show than Seinfeld isn't it at this point <laughs> If you think of the run of success. <laughs> but yeah, extraordinary. So many stories and subplots, but the headline being congratulations, Sevilla. But yeah, in terms of digging into the detail, let's, let's do it, man.
1: Let's do it. So where would you like to begin? Would you like to begin at the beginning? Oh, do you know who I'd like to begin yeah. with? I'd like to give a shout out actually for Anthony Taylor because he looked stressed dude, all night. I the do not his envy paycheck. that job of Anthony Taylor or any of the officials. and now. I know it's not cool to actually compliment referees, but we'll talk about it later, maybe in a little bit more detail. But I actually think they did a pretty good job last night because that was a very, I think so. I think very, so. very tricky final to officiate. But anyway, I was just, yes. I, I just remember thinking the only thing, the, the, the main thing I was thinking from watching the first half of that game was just like, this guy is so stressed. My God. Like, um, but in terms of the football, I thought Roma started pretty well,
0: but this is classic. Okay, can I just say about Mourinho, just to put a pin in this. The counterbalance of Mourinho teams being extremely defensive in certain moments of European finals is that actually Mourinho teams have this really amazing capacity to start games with an astonishing intensity, or mm. at least a very high one. And they were really impressive in the early stages here so again, Spinett Solar in particular. And there was a thing that I noticed, because Roma took the lead into half-time, and I thought, hang on a minute, I've seen this before, and I thought back to all the European finals I'd watched and I thought in every single European final that marino has been in, his teams have entered half time with a single goal lead. Mm. That is an incredible thing. That's a record that spans across 20 years, right? Yeah, they've been doing that since the, 2000, um... 2003 Porto-UEFA Cup final, then 04 Champions League after that, uh, 2010 with Inter, Champions League final, 2017 Europa League with United, last year with the Conference League, and this year, and in both cases for Roma, they take lead the just after the half-hour mark. Those are not accidents. It's, it's also simultaneous-
1: the first, yeah. sorry, that they haven't conceded a, a goal, a, Jose Mourinho's side has not conceded a goal in a European final since Henrik Larsen before this game, since Henrik right. Larsson in 2003.
0: Who did it twice, and even then, even this time last night, it was an own goal. That's yeah. how good, by the way, that's how good Henrik Larsson was. For anyone doubting, the genius... Oh, Henrik Larsson was great, man. Let's, oh my God. Let's need that.
1: We don't need to talk about how good he Henrik was.
0: He was such a Mourinho striker.
1: Yep. In terms of his Iron. efficiency.
0: Yeah, he was such a Mourinho striker. Anyway, but um, mm. back to the game. So first half, Roma start extremely well. Um, but there's also a minor miracle in this first half, which is that Emmanuel Matic gets a yellow card after 20 minutes remains on the pitch for the remaining 100
1: well it was a bit of a theme this because um, I mean I, what did you think about the? because the, Matic was involved heavily for the Roma goal um, mm. Rakitic wanted a foul mm. because it kind of looked like Matic almost fell into him and then pulled him back yes do you think it was a foul?
0: I think that Anthony Taylor took a view that if you give look he gave a lot of yellows and here's the thing: There's a there's a World Cup quarter final got refereed. It was Brazil, uh, Colombia, when Neymar got you know broke his back, and oh, the yeah. widespread criticism of that game was that the referee allowed to get out of control because he did mm-hmm. not referee the game in the context of it being a certain level of intensity. That was that was the criticism, and a lot of talk came in. Now, the genius of Antti Taylor in this game was that he understood a certain level of intensity was going to happen between these squads, the style of play. He understood before the game started the type of final it was going to be, and he refereed accordingly. And I think that is his strength because in, under the guidance of a different referee, we could have seen four reds, easily could have seen four reds. But I think Taylor's ability was we need to have some kind of a footballing spectacle. So him not giving that actually, I think was quite enlightened because I think, I think the level it took and, and even with that level, you know, I think he let a bit more go than most referees. But even with that, he still gave Roma a hell of a lot of yellows.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. he actually,
0: this I, think he the thing, a, I, I, I think he did a good job actually.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, we've mentioned it already, but I think this was just part of the thing that was really jarring about Mourinho's comments and actions after the game. That, again, let's park it for now, but we'll, we'll revisit it. But I don't. I think he let a lot of stuff go, and he yeah. could have been harsher on both sides. Actually, mm. um, you don't get one without the other. I don't think he was, in, you know. But anyway, um, great finish from DiBala, who had been oh, rushed back finish. from fitness. Uh, well, rushed back from injury. Sorry, and. Along with a couple of other players in this Roma squad, they were really on their, I mean, they managed to, the fact that DiBala managed to play for 70 minutes and Tammy Abraham managed to play for 75, I think was yeah. probably more than they thought they'd get out of them at this stage. Um, and yeah, in that first half, Roma were, I thought, decent. I thought their best period actually came really early on, maybe after like 10 minutes.
0: And that was by design? Yeah. I think Mourinho was like, we're going to front load this final because actually that's worked for him in almost every, the only fun didn't work him was the 2003 UEFA Cup final when Celtic came back on Porto, but they still won mm. in the end. But fundamentally mm. Mourinho's thing is get out in front early, make them chase the game and then hit them with a killer second. Mm. Um, so I think you're right that by design Mourinho wanted it that way and they went into the break looking looking really quite good, I thought in terms of their control of the fixture
1: yeah they um, they had a little bit of
0: they hanging at on, but that Rakitic hit the post to be that. honest
1: I think not long after the goal they had a little bit of a period after the goal but then after that it felt like Sevilla started to take control and Rakitic hitting the post was yeah that was the kind of combination of that that was right on half time right? it was or
0: almost a punishment for them standing off because there was that thing they mm. do when Mourinho teams take the lead they drop off that bit too much mm. In these tight games, and I think they gave them slightly disrespectful the amount they dropped off them. To be honest,
1: yeah. Once, I agree, the goal, once the
0: goal, does that make once the goal went in? Because they were like five yards off the pace, and then I thought to myself, "You're inviting too much with a team of that creativity." Someone like Suso, wonderful player, who I, I'm really so happy he's found a home at uh, Sevilla because he's a player I've always loved watching. Mm. Suso, brilliant creatively. You're standing off players like Rakitic and Suso they're going to hurt you at some point, especially people like Goodell, who can really hit it from distance. Mm. And when I saw it hit the post, I thought you could see it one of two ways. Either that's a charmed life and it's, it's Roman's night or it's a bit of a warning sign. Mm. And to be honest, I think it was kind of the latter. From
1: that period of dominance towards the end of the first half, I thought, I thought Severe were the better side in the second half.
0: I thought, I thought Sevilla played the better football in the second half And even in extra time. But I thought, funnily enough, Roma had the three best chances in the second half. Yes,
1: actually. That is, yeah, they did that. They had that one massive one from, who was it? I think Tammy Abraham, actually.
0: That actually, unfortunately, on 67, 66 minutes. That one. So they had those three. The second half, they had um, Bellotti with the incredible save. The one that came over his shoulder. Yeah. I I I think it would have gone wide anyway, that one. But actually, I thought. Dude. I thought he should have scored that. The fingertips say, I think actually it's this. I think it's all. I'm a bit more charitable. I think it's the save. The speed yeah, that but, he hits over uh, the shoulder.
1: Yeah, but I, I was looking at this again. I know that uh, um, a ball coming over the shoulder is quite difficult to do, but I think that there was enough. He got himself in a good enough position, I think, to get a better angle on it. Yeah. And I think he could have, maybe should have a player of Bellotti's quality. Maybe I'm being super harsh here because I just, but I just feel like. But those are the margins, is, right?
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, if we're being super harsh, actually he should have scored and Tammy Abraham should have scored. Like that, mm. the Tammy Abraham one where he, the ball is kind of like waist high and he kind of chops at the outside of his right foot, doesn't get a huge contact. But actually I think that's one of the ones where you can imagine someone like Aguero, Lewandowski, Benzema, or even to be honest, even let's be frank, Frank Tammy Abraham on top top form lashes that in the corner, but doesn't quite get himself across it with the power to angle it down into the corner, and I think that was the one. Really, if I'm looking at the two chances that, if Roma look back and think, ah, it was mm. there for us, I think those are the ones. Really, because Smalling hits Smalling hits the bar in injury time with the looping header, but that mm. is the best possible angle he could have gotten. It that was outstanding. So I don't think he. I think he got the angle as well as he could have. But I think Bellotti and Abraham should have put that way. Yeah.
1: So severe level because of the own goal from Mancini went off his knee I think it went in yeah and then they had a penalty overturned Anthony Taylor gave a severe penalty for a foul on Lucas Acampos
0: uh, I think it was the right decision to overturn it I think so oh my god a Campos! what's that line from the Sopranos when one of the mobs is just trying to talk someone into a hit and <laughs> it doesn't work out and the guy he goes away and the guy goes he just couldn't sell it and I felt that way with the Campos, the penalty he just couldn't sell it because there you was a what? contact there
1: it reminded me of one of those like when David Attenborough does those shows right and there's like oh my god uh, 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 this the, we've managed to capture the biggest salmon migration upstream <laughs> in history and they do the slow motion there's always one that's just like super wobbly the slow mo of a campus going down was like was like watching a salmon jump like upstream over a little barrier <laughs>
0: I love the idea of a salmon lagging behind just so it can get all the camera to itself. I mean, that's not at all my energy, but I mean. Totally.
1: Um, It was was extremely funny.
0: I thought it was a bigger shout actually for the penalty at the other end for Roma. Those have been given before. It's ball to hand, but actually the hand is kind of away from the body. You know, the one was about a few minutes later.
1: Mm.
0: I was, those have been given all season actually. I just don't know what. What I don't know.
1: I don't know what is about. The, the rational
0: side. part of me was very happy and is very happy as I do this podcast that it wasn't given. Mm. The chaotic part of me yearned for it, but the the chaotic part, the chaos always yearns for more.
1: Yeah. So, well, the chaos got the got more as well <laughs> because uh, we talked about <laughs> the Bellotti chance, which happened not long after that, and then the game went to extra time. Yes. Chris Smalling with a looping header off the bar in the last second of stoppage time at the end of extra time it was the yep. 131st minute can you That's imagine if we'd got a, 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 a 131st minute winner in the Europa League final it would have been incredible
0: longer than a Nadal match longer than Nadal on clay so and can I say t- this as why, well why,
1: why we got why we got double Nadal mentions today
0: because we have to because we've got we've got to get the Spanish influences on? we're just we're moving with it we're flowing with it can okay. I just say as well with the um <laughs> with the time waste can I just have a shout out for the time wasting? thing Okay, because oh, nice. I feel like the time-wasting needs its own props. The time-wasting was so extraordinary in this game. It's one of those games where a player is substituted and they go off at barely walking pace and they rapidly decelerate thereafter. It was that, it was that kind of... They, they squeezed all of the toothpaste out of the tube, Roma. They really, really did in the closing moments of extra time as Mourinho was really just playing this thing out towards, extra t- towards penalties, which is, can I be honest? If Mourinho can be accused of playing five-dimensional chess, I'm not sure five-dimensional chess is playing and time-wasting towards a penalty shootout with that goalkeeper because it's as if Mourinho had not watched the World Cup. <laughs> because we, anyone, <laughs> anyone with a functioning sense of perception is not desperate to go into a shootout against mm. that goalkeeper. Bono from Morocco and Sevilla is one of the best in the world in that specific context, not just in terms of shot stopping, but general presence. So I don't quite get, we'll probably get into this, I don't quite get the selection of penalty takers. Um, and I don't quite get why Roma didn't go for it slightly more in extra time. I think that's almost mm. like old habits are hard to break to an extent.
1: I I have a theory. I think the reason that I mean, it's not really like a galaxy brain take. The guy's been doing it his whole career, but I think this is why Mourinho made such a big deal of the of the referee stuff.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: There was an interesting line that we'll talk about. I mean, do you want to talk about the penalties first before we move on from that? Because I mean, the penalties were great. Bono yes. was amazing. The, the yeah. flick onto the onto the post was the great one. Yeah. Um. And the the uh, almost like the poetry of Montiel scoring the the second winner in a
0: like. <laughs> Right, because he, he the he first one gets saved by Patricio. The first one got well, saved yeah, by Patricio.
1: Mourinho Marina lost his mind about this, and the thing that I don't really understand about this one is that it's literally the it's literally the law.
0: Patricio kind of knew the game was up, actually. You see him yeah. like when it's you know, when it's reviewed, he kind of knows. It's kind of you're always trying to push the envelope as a goalkeeper, and I get that totally. But what I love about Montiel's penalty was the disguise. Just,
1: well, just for the record, by the way, I think this was the absolutely correct decision and yeah, Mourinho yeah. shouldn't be saying anything about this because it's literally the law. I think that if you want to, what I feel like in this in this situation is that people are going to start debating whether the law is up to scratch. And it's just like, well, the law is how the about, law. He's how off about the line. your choice
0: of penalty takers, Mourinho?
1: Yeah. And then Montiel scores the, the, the retake, which, to be fair, is like not an easy thing to do in a Europa League final. Well, if I you imagine. look at the body
0: language from the back, the angle from Montiel's penalty uh, that wins the game, the second one, mm. is incredible body language. He totally sells it. He totally sells it to Patricio. He does, he's angled his body to go bottom right-hand corner, but not as a kind of... It's really cleverly done, the disguise. Like he basically whips across it. Actually campus does a similar thing with a no look, mm. I think, for the first penalty. He totally angles his body bottom right and sells it so well and then rips it across his body into the bottom left. It's just a glorious... It's like a mini masterpiece that gets... maybe, And it's going to get lost in the noise, I think, because of, yeah. you know, Mourinho, the, the video of him later, like approaching um. Taylor after... I mean, what is that about?
1: I mean, do you want to do that now? And then we yeah, can we should, talk we about... Um... It's a
0: shame that we have to because... Let's talk about the now. Well, because we'll I M want was... to
1: talk about Mandelibar as well because...
0: Good, good. Let's, let's talk about this now that M was severe because they deserve us to end with the segment. Yeah, yeah.
1: Let's talk about the Mourinho thing. So I want to read you a quote because um, uh, there was a quote after the game where he said, we are used to it, but seeing this kind of refereeing in a European final was really, really hard. We lost the final, but we didn't lose our dignity. And do you know what I wrote after that in my notes? Mm. That's correct. That's literally what I wrote. I wrote, hmm. Wow. Because all fucking game, whenever the whistle blew, the Roma bench was up. Now, to be fair, I think the Sevilla bench also went up as well. And the whole game was played out in such a frantic manner where every single referee decision was jumped upon, like mm. jumped on by both benches, actually. I think in terms of the the managers, Mandeliba like kind of held it down a little bit. I
0: think that's more. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think both benches, I don't think any players are blameless. And there was that whole like thing, what happened where like Mourinho was going over and talking to a severe player? No idea. And doing the whole like, grabbed him and was whispering in the ear and they were laughing at each other as- afterwards and all this kind of stuff, which is fine. Like as, as a neutral, I'm actually... I wouldn't say I'm cool with it but I'm kind of cool with it you know if I'm watching it it's like it's annoying after a while but a little bit of that is quite entertaining at
0: no point did I think Taylor had lost control no I don't think so either I think think you could
1: tell he was just getting a bit bored not bored but just a bit like he kept saying like no or like come here to like players being really assertive because I think everyone was just kind of taking the piss a bit and that's that that must be so long as, as a referee um but just, there were, I wrote a tweet this morning basically saying that this felt like, and no spoilers to anyone, So if because Musa won't get this, I don't think, but he kind of knows because we've talked about it a little bit. But this felt like Mourinho's Succession Season 4, Episode 8 point of his character arc, right? Where we, because he's kind of at Roma, mm. and because I think that among neutrals, everyone wants, wants to kind of see Roma do well. Mm-hmm and he's away from the Premier League, there's been, some of the antics have been a little bit more, or been deemed, how do we say it? Maybe a little bit more entertaining than annoying, because they're kind of happening away. I think we've literally, we might have literally have said this on the podcast before. Yeah,
0: because we don't have to engage with it. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But like, remember, this is a guy who called out, like got sent off because he, uh, taunted a referee whose dad was involved in the Calciopoli scandal and then booted the ball away into the crowd and was kind of like run running wild and we found it really entertaining because it will it was it was kind of entertaining seeing Mourinho just pick up the ball and boot it. Yeah. But he's a menace, right? He yeah. and I feel like this this game, because it was the thing that a lot of people may have like seen they may have got more Mourinho than they've got for a while. They're mm. like it it returns to you know, the Mourinho who walked up behind Tito Villanova and gouged his eye for no reason.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah, And it reminded you actually who he can be, especially with the antics afterwards in that situation. Now, like going after a referee in the kind of the, the parking bit under the stadium and walking up to the bus that they're in and kind of telling him to like, fuck off, fuck you, man. And then go, and then speaking Italian, knowing that he wasn't going to, that Anthony Taylor, I, I assume Anthony Taylor doesn't speak Italian. Doing yeah. that, which is just basically because he knows he's on camera and he's essentially flexing for the Italian fans. Yes. It was all just, a. to be honest, I thought it was a bit dark, actually.
0: It is very bleak and it only works because, the only reason you don't worry for Taylor is because Taylor's so experienced. But oh, that's, kind, that's yeah. something that, that, that has a chilling effect on how, what, is, what that enables down the pyramid. The level of disrespect that enables down the footballing pyramid is actually really, really bleak. It sets the tone for a level of encroach. You talk about encroachment, encroaching on a referee, intimidating a referee, because that has repercussions beyond beyond this final. It's saying what's okay to do, like to be tribal, to contest everything. Everything's like, oh my god, everything's a grievance. No, actually, sometimes decisions go against you, and sometimes you don't put out a team that's good enough to win against the team that experienced. That's what it comes down to. Sometimes, actually, the playing against players of the the quality of Rakitic we have been here so many times before, before Sevilla and Spain and Barcelona and Schalke, you're going to get got. And it's okay just to hold that, but you can't. And that's the thing Mourinho does. He continues these, these feuds, these baseless feuds, and they're, they're kind of dangerous, actually, in the wrong context.
1: The thing where he was, the, 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 the we lost the final, but we didn't lose our dignity line, I think is just, it's so... Like talk about exactly red, what he's doing.
0: Talk about red meat to your base. Yeah,
1: this is it. And and, yeah. and I think that Roma could have won that final. They lost on penalties to a side who have won it more than any other side. Yeah. Right. By, by more than double. Right. Just like, you weren't hard, you weren't out, you weren't hard done by, or oh, you weren't done by a really, really out of order decision. You didn't get a goal disallowed that should have stood. You got a penalty overturned that could have gone against you. Um, you got a penalty. I, do you know what? I was I was watching it back again this morning, and I was like, I was imagining every single decision flipped, right? And I was like, everyone you got away with, you would have gone wild had it happened to you. Yeah. So actually. Just look at the game as what it is. Like You didn't lose the game because of the decisions. From a Roma point of view, what he should have really been focusing on was spinning how much of a positive this was. Not like spinning how hard done by or that they should have won the final actually just makes him look like a bit of a dickhead. What he should have done was, he's like, listen, we did the Conference League last year and we won it. We got to the Europa League final and we could have won it. We lost. We didn't get massively outplayed. Mm. Like We didn't get played off the park. We played a different way to Sevilla. We lost on penalties to the side who are serial winners in this competition. We can leave with absolute dignity. He could have done all of that, right? And he could have then, he did this thing in the press conference where he was talking about, you know, basically, I'm tired of being the guy who's fronting up to this because he wants the he wants the the, the top brass at Roma to, to do a little bit more for them. Ignoring the fact that they spent a ton of money last season, right?
0: Well, there's something else going on here,
1: but basically, all I'm saying is, is like he could have really come out of that with, with some really good will.
0: But the the reason he didn't gamble on that is because Marino made a pact with the Devils, it's what he did, I think, in 2017 with United. Um, he put a lot of chips on winning the, uh, the Europa League, they did not play good football in Serie A. If you look at the quality, the quality of Mm, their talent, if you look at the the talent that Roma have, they only scored 48 goals, Roma, well, they've got one game to go, but they've only scored 48 goals in Serie A. That's 13 less than Atalanta. It's like 20 odd less than Inter. Like they, The quality of the attacking players they have, they remind me of um, RB Leipzig before Nagelsmann got there. And when Nagelsmann got there and barely bought anyone, they just like basically their numbers just shot up. I think if someone like Nagelsmann took over Roma, with those players, you would see their attacking output fly up. And that's why I think Mourinho is defensive because he knew that he gambled a lot on them winning the Europa League. Because if they win this trophy, he can go and be like, look, Roma back on top of Europe, blah, 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 all the rest of it. But because they haven't, a Europa League final in sixth place, mm, it's not quite cutting it, especially with football like that. It's one thing that seventh, sixth place is not a disaster for Roma. It's not, but it is. If you don't also play football along the way that excites people, they can be like, oh, we want two or three more years of this. So I think for him, that's the gamble and it didn't pay off. And that is why he is so defensive. That's why he can't spin it because actually people are like, well, mm, okay, we tucked up. It's almost like saying, it's like when the government says, oh, tuck your belts in, tuck your belts in, just save money. And then like the government goes along and basically like, imposes austerity politics. You saved all this money, but still can't afford a flat. It's like that. That's what Mourinho's done. He's basically imposed a certain type of austerity for Roma fans and has said, look, don't worry, this way is the right way and it, it hasn't worked, right? Mm. It worked last year. They won the Conference League final, which was a huge thing. Don't, I'm not discrediting that. That's a big, big deal. But Mourinho's narrative was like, we'll win the Cups to leapfrog our way to European greatness. Mm. So this would have got them a Champions League place, for example, right? And it didn't. Um, so his leapfrog thing is not going to work there's no shortcut to greatness he's going to have to go for Champions League via the league I think again because you can't gamble and Roma getting into the stage again you just can't
1: let's talk about the winners because it's kind of a mind-blowing achievement from Jose Luis Barr.
0: if you look where Sevilla were well just yeah because, yeah the, the combination of like them in the league and also just in terms of this trophy too
1: well just remember because they had Lopetegui this season and then they brought in Sam again. Did um, not work.
0: They had ultras sending them threats. As, uh, as, as late yeah. as the start of as the turn of the year they had ultras. They were 18th. Yep. They were 18th in that Liga.
1: Mendeliba came in and there's a moment I think the turning point was probably the, old, the game at Old Trafford. Because they're 2-0 down they're really struggling, they're on their third manager of the season, and then they somehow turn it round, win the second leg, and they're away. yeah, it's that second half man I think it's two it's the two nil down that 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 moment at old Trafford I think is the complete that little comeback is the thing that kick started the season, and the fact that they've gone on to to not only win the Europa League again, but um
0: they're like, and like also to survive comfortably in in that league. yeah
1: they they're, they're 10 points clear of the relegation zone with the game to play yeah. Yeah. like it's, it's easy
0: it's incredible it's it's, it actually... it's
1: like it's 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 an unbelievable achievement and this isn't this is someone who i think is quite popular in spain um by all accounts he seems like a really good guy um
0: actually quite Valverde vibes to be honest yeah yeah, yeah that's in the a sense. Sense. <laughs> yeah in terms of just coming in with that calmness, and I know there's no award for like half manager of the season, but yeah. if there was, if there was an award for half coach of the year, this is like half coach of the year. In terms of like, a, I think they call it the great escape, in terms of great escape jobs and restoring, if you said to Sevilla, oh, by the way, by the end of this, if you, if you said to those people, oh, by the way, by the end of the season, you'll have Champions League, they'd be like, what? And, they, and then the fans have been, oh, oh, it's wild. Oh, okay. You must mean, no, there's no way winning the Europa League. Not this year. Not, not with United playing some of the football they're playing. I mean, United against Barcelona, for example. Yeah. And Rashford, the way he was playing, particularly in Europe, they were lights out in some of yeah. those patches. They were playing some absolutely spectacular football and Sevilla just came in and just took this thing out of it time and yeah. again. It's, yeah. inc- it's, in- you know, everything you've said there, just to the add you know, that was a great summary you gave, just to add to that, just the resolve, the resilience. I wanted to shout out Rakitic again. Ivan Rakitic. So Ivan Rakitic, we've talked about, you know, disrespected, underappreciated players over the, over the time. This footballer, I don't know if there's ever been an elite footballer. Well, there, there always, there's always been a few. There aren't many elite outfield, midfield, elite outfield players who've carried as much water as Rakitic. Even when he returned to Sevilla, there was a lot of talk, oh, he's clapped, he's done, he looks out of it. And to be honest, there were periods where he didn't look fully himself. This man was part of a title race, a legitimate title race when he returned to Sevilla, right? He was key to that (laughs) and got like, I think, a key penalty saved later on against Real, which could have taken him to the top. This man came back, contributed fully and again scores a crucial penalty in the shootout. Of course he does. Like, I just think as a big game player, when we look back on this generation of forget like just severe players, European midfielders, world midfielders. Rakitic is right up there.
1: Dude, that photo that I sent you, um, which we're not using for our artwork, but it's an amazing one on Getty taken by Stefano, uh, I think Stefano Guidi Mm. of uh, Rakitic over by the, by the ultras and he's still in his kit. He's got his armband on and there's just, there's a guy with almost with his, Rakitic's head in his uh, hands or mm. like you know like almost like it's, it's a really beautiful beautiful image actually um, yeah yeah it's gorgeous yeah yeah and I think kind of sums up that that journey for him his connection, Sevilla, his connection his yeah. connection
0: with Sevilla is so fascinating because you know obviously he's Croatian but it's so funny how you can find a home from home abroad there's always yeah. these players who there's a rare group of players who travel somewhere and they almost find the best version of themselves mm. in that city. And the fact that he's had two long stays at Sevilla and had defining moments in both is kind of remarkable.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's played more games for them than he has any other club. Incredible. And he's 35 years old. Doesn't look like he's... I mean, I, I can't imagine he's going to stop.
0: The reason I respect him so much is because, obviously, he went to Schalke, Sevilla. These are huge clubs. They went to a small club for a few, a few years. They came back to Sevilla. And you know, it's incredible.
1: Really? Are you really doing that? Are you really <laughs> fucking doing that?
0: <laughs> no, it's, you know, I'm only joking because it's when Rakitic was at Barcelona, the job he had, the man had to replace an aging Xavi in midfield. Dude, honestly, I've said and this before, but even, oh even Rakitic
1: was essentially the midfielding Olivier Giroud when he went to Barcelona.
0: He was, wasn't he?
1: His biggest crime was not being Xavi or Iniesta.
0: And in fairness to those Barcelona fans who saw it, there were those Barcelona fans who completely embraced what he brought to that incredible treble side. And they got it. They just saw what he brought. And it was amazing the kind of, I mean, we'll talk so many times about the counterattack that um, Busquets launches. You suck a bunch of Modric and then basically you have Rakitic off to the races. And mm. the people that knew what Rakitic brought, to be fair to those Barcelona fans, they just totally got it. And I feel like his, he's one of those players whose um, legacy will only look better in retrospect. Actually, a bit like a Sadorf. It's only when you step back. Yeah. You almost have to, with someone like a Rakitic, you've almost got to remove them from the starting 11K. Now look at it now. Then everyone goes, okay, now I get it. Yeah. He's almost someone you have to appreciate by looking at what their potential absence would have done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's much like how how we think about you on this don't podcast. Don't,
0: don't so start. What, thank um, goodness there's no yellow cards for podcasts I'll tell you that much anyway
1: yeah. that's alright I'm logging them don't worry I'm logging them you're you you're
0: racking, racking them up you imagine like five pod three, fan three podcasts from now. oh yeah where's Moose oh yeah um, actually it's another another honologue
1: what's the opposite <laughs> of the fair play award because whatever that is Moose has got it yeah.
0: <laughs> let me keep the trophy
1: <laughs> let's wrap on that props to the Props to Mendeleev. Incredible achievement. Incredible achievement. Props to Rakitic and the gang. Props to Jesus Navas, who was four Europa Leagues with Sevilla. He won the very first
0: one that they won. And I I love about, thing I love about Sevilla is, it's a club where over time, players find a real sense of happiness. Obviously Mm. the late, the late great um, Reyes it's just a club where people stay for multiple seasons and really become beloved there was a lovely tweet from uh, Freddie Canuta I think he won a couple with them one or two with them congratulate them on being a great club I think he won the first couple of your UEFA Cups as they then were with um, or were they Europa Leagues by then no they they were UEFA Cup still still, I just love to see that that sort of the heritage they've got and I, I hope they do I'm sure they do but I hope they do like big alum you know like you have like Uni yeah, reunions, I'm sure, I'm sure they do. Like for all seven. Oh man, come on, listen, do. listen. I
1: and I know we never played for him. But if anyone wants to
0: chuck us an invite, we'll go. Dude, I was gonna sneak in and be like, "Hang on a minute, were you?" Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, I was an unused sub in one of the.
1: <laughs> props to Severe. Um, I can we leave it there?
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: Little reminder, Wright's house Sunday. Musa, myself and Ian talking about the Men's FA Cup final. We're going to leave the deep dive of the Women's Champions League to flow in the gang on Counterpressed uh, and you and I will do some on Stadio about it as well. So, we've got you covered. Don't forget the I'm Dished Up tease. If you're an Everton fan or if you want to buy one for your favourite Everton fan or you want to just buy one anyway because they look quite cool. All the profit is going to Everton in the community. Anything you would like to add, Moussa.com?
0: There is one thing, actually, I want to do. Um, I want to just for yeah, can I just mention a quick shout out for um, the dearly departed Eusebius Makiza, one of South Africa's leading public intellectuals who passed away this week at the age of forty-five. Um, those who aren't familiar with his work, uh, a truly great human being, someone who was a leading light as a writer, as a teacher, as a thought leader in South Africa, and someone who I knew at university. Someone who was one of my closest friends in that period of my life. Um, we remained in contact and he was very supportive of my work up until the end really. And yeah, actually I owe you a poem UB. I was working a poem for him actually. Um, oh, man. yeah, it was, <laughs> it's my fault. I've been asked to write a piece for him and I've been redrafting and redrafting and I kept texting, listen, I'm sending it, I'm rewriting it from scratch because it's not quite good enough and never quite got to send it. So I'll send it over anyway at some point, but yeah. Um, yeah, a dear, dear, um, friend and a very, very special mm. mind, uh, who has gone far too soon. So yeah, that, mm. so that is why I was slightly, there was a thing, I'll say this actually very quickly, if I may, there's a thing that you do when you're grieving that I've called glitching. So with me, mm. it's really weird. So when, when someone passes away that I, that I'm close to, and it's happened, you know, a few times to all of us, cause you know, I'm 43 now, so it's happened a fair bit by now. When someone passes away that you really care about, that you're close to, I kind of tried to get straight on with it. So I could have, I find myself doing strange things like walking like in a straight line, just veering off to the side all of a sudden, cause it kind of hits you or my memory goes a bit funny. So I forgot a pin number a couple of days ago. I've now remembered, but in the, in the period of like immediately after grief or revelation of, of something like that or tragedy, I think, uh, advice to everyone, don't try to go straight back to normal mm. because your body will tell you very quickly you shouldn't go back to normal. Um I hasten to add that I'm you know, I'm fine and you know, but it's only because I've given myself a bit a bit of time to be fine. So I just think that anyone that's going through anything like that, don't jump straight back into normal routines and normal life because your body will tell you quickly that you shouldn't be doing that. But yeah. Shout out to Yubi. Uh great mind, uh, legacy is extraordinary. And as someone said on Twitter, an incredible thing he did. He was one of the first black kids in their school after desegregation in South Africa. And they said he was so extraordinary that he basically normalised black success for an entire generation of white students. And I cannot think of a greater legacy in South Africa post-apartheid than that. Oh, man. But also appreciate, Ryan, your support this week on that. I know that that's a peek behind the curtain, but I really appreciate um, your it's kindness time, around man. this. Because people have also what said, people for? have said, oh, can I speak? But actually, there was a period I couldn't really talk about it. I think the first day and a half afterwards it was just too much. Mm. But I think knowing that people were there to speak to lessened so much of the the pain on a on a selfish level, the pain of losing a friend, but also the pain of knowing that that person just deserved so much more from life. I think.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, man. It's yeah. I mean, anytime, dude. You've done that for me many, many times. So, ah,
0: well, you no. Know gotta have some redeeming qualities anyway sorry yes sir. I'm with the show I'm with the show
1: you. stop it stop it um, alright everyone I reckon we leave it there don't forget to check the Stadio Archers place on Spotify speaking of which playing out on a brand new one from Andrew out on the music from memory label gorgeous track, track. called Original J-Dub
0: anything else you'd like to add Musa Gwonga nothing further I'm all taked out
1: <laughs> alright everyone much love have a lovely mini retirement and we will be back with you on Monday see you then